It's the boy. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Anime House. Uh, today we have a special guest with us. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Steven. Um, I enjoy uh, anime, I enjoy music, and uh, overanalyzing all of them. Let's go. Yeah, he's in, he's in a good place. I, I like hearing Steve's opinions. He's a good, close friend of mine. Today we have a special episode. A, uh, it's, a, it's a song. It's a Mariner's Revenge song by the Decemberists. But in particular, we're going to be discussing the animation from Glitter Sharks, which is going on 7 million views at the moment. Well, 7.5 seven million views on the upper side of that. And I found this song like about two years ago, and I thought it was sick. And the accompanying animation is just beautiful. And I shared it with all of my friends thinking they would all have the same opinion as me because they know what good taste is, or so I thought. And everyone completely clowned on me for a couple, for a couple of months. Steve, do you remember that? Dude, I remember everyone clowning on you over one song, and I didn't understand it. I was just like, it's just a song. How could it be bad? And then, did you did you watch it during that time? Or did you... Forever. I don't, I don't touch anything unless, like, I don't know. If you, if you tell me to do something, I won't do it. Okay, yeah. So it took Steve two years, but he finally got to it, and he's like, damn, this is kind of gas. <laughs> yes. I remember. I'm like, hey, hey, this song is actually good. Uh, who was the guy who, who showed me this song? And I just started posting it everywhere, showing everyone. And, and I was uh, like, yeah, that's it, Steve. You've got to it. It took two years, you know. Don't worry, man. In like four years, you're finally get around to watching all of Attack on Titan. And then we can talk about it. Don't worry about it. You're not missing out. Just read it. He doesn't read, that's bro. Even harder. Bro, asking you to read. All right, but I think, um, how about this, Nikki? How about, how will you give the rundown of your opinion? Because you're, you're, you have the freshest eyes on this one, or the freshest ears, eyes, everything involved. Yeah, I just, I literally just rewatched it before we did this, but yeah. So, I mean, it's pretty good. I like, I like Steve. I've, I very much enjoy music. Uh, I grew up pretty much listening to music 24 7, and I still do now. I, I listen to music constantly. Um, so I love I love it when a uh, story is kind of written in the song. And the, first of all, in the video, the animation was really, really good. I really enjoyed the animation. I think it was really fantastic. The story itself, I mean, it was, it was basically a story about revenge. But I thought it was fairly interesting and unique in terms of kind of like not only how the show was presented, very concise, very straightforward, um, but... Me, Francisco, and Steve were talking about this right before we hopped on. Very much reminiscent of Flapjack, for those who have watched it. Uh, the main character, the main pirate, I forgot his name. Uh, the ugly, weird dude uh, is the yeah. best way to put it. Not Flapjack. Uh, the captain. I think his name was Captain. Uh, his whole thing was also on like revenge and uh, getting some pirate bounty, booty, whatever it was. So, I mean, there are some callbacks or comparisons that could be made there. What I liked the most about it, though, I think, was uh, not only, like, in the video, not only just the animation, but also the way the song was presented and how it drove, like, a thematic overview of, like, revenge. But the way the story was presented really felt like a like a short children's story almost. I mean, it wasn't, but like it felt like it. It was very dark, very grim. 
but uh, it was good. It was good. I, I enjoyed it. That's for sure. Yeah, it was definitely one of those revenge songs. And I know I mentioned this to Steve, and this is like just a storytelling aspect, right? Because we actually decided to do something, you know, because usually we do anime or we do a movie or we do something, but in general, we're just doing things that we enjoy. And uh, I thought to myself that we haven't done anything like, you know, the medium of music itself and, you know, how good it is as a storytelling, which, you know, the song itself is very, I, I get very folk vibes from it in, in that respect. Um, I don't know of a good way to describe the music itself. I think Steven might be able to help us with that, but definitely. Shanty, to... it's shanty music. Shanty. Okay. So yeah, it's a shanty. Steve, would you agree that it gets shanty vibes? Oh yeah. 100%. And if you have any other, you know, input regarding like the actual music itself and the instruments and, you know, maybe some light motifs that you hear, I think this would be a good time to talk about it before I, you know, before I start talking about character arcs or like. Yeah. So just a quick uh, comment on like the genre of it. So um, folk is a pretty uh, large um, umbrella term for describing music. Um, And shanty is a type of folk that's. based off of um, a mariner's life so so uh, like a sailor song sailor songs are folk music but specific to the context of being out at sea um and also just it being storytelling in general would definitely fit with it too because they would sing songs and those songs would tell stories and perhaps those stories could be useful information when you're out there definitely yeah if anyone i mean we talk about uh, One Piece pretty often, so like the shanty of One Piece is Bin Sake, so so it's nice to make callbacks like this. But I do want to mention that I just I I really love how distilled of a revenge song this is, because I don't think a, a revenge story will ever go bad in our lifetime. And I think this is a good opportunity to mention, like, because you know often people talk about different character arcs within stories, and this one's definitely one of the more negative character arcs and. You know, usually we see positive character arcs because one, we like most of us enjoy a good uplifting story at the end of a of a session, whatever it might be the case. But this one takes the aspect of a negative character arc. In particular, you can usually categorize these negative character arcs into so into three types, right? Uh, those three types are the disillusionment arc, the fall arc, where you double down on the lie um, that the character believes. Right? These are it's very common for a fall arc to be one. Well, in this in the story that we're talking about, right in the video, Mariner's Revenge Song, the fall, it's actually takes a place. Um, the negative character arc is um, the fall arc because, spoiler alert, the character doubles down on the lie. The lie being that he's not gonna get his mother's love unless he he fulfills her desire, which is you know to kill this guy who wronged them. And the other uh, type is the corruption arc. You can usually think about that one as the fallen hero arc, and that one can even split into two types. Um, and it's really easy to remember these being as you know, I like to use examples of stories, right? Uh, we cannot forget um, Anakin Skywalker, right? His fall from you know Anakin Skywalker to Darth Vader, and then something more classical, quote unquote, would be Paradise Lost is Lucifer. So the aspects that deals with those corruption arcs is that there's a paradigm shift. In the case of the you know um, Paradise Lost Lucifer situation, the paradigm shift is with society. Um, before he was in the righteous, right? Everyone, what he did was righteous, but you know, with the introduction of humanity, what was once righteous is no longer the case. Um, so it's not the case that he has changed, it's more so that everyone around him has changed. And then, the other hand, uh, the parent they shift within Anakin Sky, it's instead of being external, it's internal, right? 
the apparent shift within him is that he no longer believes that the Shadow is the correct path or for what he you know wants to accomplish, which is saving the people that he loves. The Jedi path is not going to be able to get him there. And the dissolution mark, that one, that one's really, it's not so that it's a downer. Um, well, the, that one's really funny. Okay, it's not very, it's not the case that you know the character necessarily is in a worse situation. It's more so that it's more of a downer kind of a story. Think of stories that are like noir or neo noir. So a really good example of anyone's familiar with is with Chinatown. At the end of the story, that the character themselves learn more of the truth of the universe, but it just turns out that life sucks and everything's even worse than before. Another good example would be The Great Gatsby. And that I think this is a good opportunity to talk about um another aspect of storytelling, right? The the understanding that within every protagonist or within every character that you write, um, if you can if they're gonna be undergoing a character right, there's a couple of things that needs to be set up, right? Uh, one of them is that they need to believe a lie of how things of how they think things are working, right? And that lie is reinforced by this ghost or this wound or you know, I can probably talk about a bit later. But what's gonna happen there is that they the lie versus what they versus the truth, or you can even think about these as what they want versus what they need to become a more fulfilled character. And I'm getting a bunch of these things from like the book that I, that I actually read every now and then. And I just have you know, lying around. It's um, a book called Creating Character Arcs by K.M. Whalen. It's a very, I mean, it's, the title is very descriptive. It pretty much tells you what, what it's going to be about. It explains character types um, a bit, like I just mentioned, by providing some examples. So if anyone's interested in like reading like, books um, involving the storytelling in general that's a pretty good one to go about but yeah um you know i meant i mentioned the lie i mentioned the truth i mean i gave you some examples of you know different negative character arcs that exist uh in general or they t- kind of are the exact op they structurally they are the reversed of a positive character arc um and of course the traditional revenge story is the fall arc Right when they like double down on the lie, which is beautiful. I mean, that's it's always fun to see someone become more deprived, and you know, I I think it's interesting. It does for war storytelling, but it requires a very tactful and very skilled um author or writer or whatever might be the case. Oh yeah, going going more into the wound, right? The um the wound of a character, and how it, it lines up with the lie itself. Um, and the wound usually deals with like the ghost in the, within the story. And Marinus Revenge like, is a very T for T kind of situation where like the inherent ghost of the character or the protagonist is the person's mom, who is progressively telling him, "Hey, I need you to go out there and kill that person who just ruined me. I don't even care if you're my son or and I, if I should like want you to have a good life. I just want him to just completely destroy this guy because he's getting older. You're getting older, but you're also getting like to the prime of your youth, and you're just gonna spend the rest of your life dealing with my revenge. Please go do that. And of course, you know because this is a negative character arc, and that's you know the aspect with revenge songs. Eventually, he finds this guy. Um, the circumstances surrounding how he ends up finding the guy are really interesting to begin with. Because it brings up a good, it, you know, it begins in the intro. I think I'm going to actually let um, Nikki or Steven, you know, talk about the actual song itself in the, in the plot. But I, I, I want to just discuss how this one falls into just, you know, the guy, it's a usual revenge song where, you know, he goes out, finds a guy and then kills him and then just decides, you know what, my life sucks. I'm just going to, 
I'm just gonna commit to this one. This one, um, I don't know, like um, a goal of revenge, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. Like this, this one thing is just gonna be my entire life. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. But you know, we're talking a lot about like this song without actually like going through the um, like what actually happens. Uh, Steve and Akio, do you, do you want to like chime in on this? Um, so following Chucho's uh, format of a character getting a wound, um, you know, he's talking about how um, when he introduces himself, um, we kind of get an idea about where the wound comes from, um, that this was a man who fell in love with his mother. And uh, given that this is during a time where uh, being out at sea is uh, pretty big, I would imagine it's like patriarchal in its culture. So if the widow were to marry another person, that person would be in charge of their uh, wealth. So it's a great responsibility onto this young guy that this mother uh, marries or hangs with. And he blows the money entirely. And like utterly ruins an entire family by getting drunk, uh, getting whores, uh, hookers, all that stuff. So like, uh, it's a great, you know, wound that's created there. And uh, from there, the mother kind of gives her like martyr, like gives the quest to to this uh, young boy to go enact revenge. And pretty much the rest of the, uh, I'd say probably the first third introducing it, we understand the 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 wound. And the next two parts were kind of like uh, we're in for the ride to uh, enact that revenge or how. You know how much it it engulfs him when he gets closer and closer to it, and like that's his whole life. Exactly. I also like the um how the story actually begins. I think it's uh very cheeky about how <laughs> our protagonist is like we got swallowed by a whale. Well, that sucks. I guess we have some time to kill. How about I tell you how I got here? <laughs> because um that time for kill has a, a kind of like a double double untrod meaning in a, in a sense, right? Because he's going to use that time to literally kill him later on. But it can also, you know, be used as a, um, you know, people say time to kill. It's like, okay, so we're not doing anything else. So we might as well just waste our time, right? Because obviously they're inside of a whale's mouth. So eventually they're just going to die. But the boy's literally going to be killing the man. And I think this is a good opportunity because um, you mentioned, Stephen, that like as the mother's passing away, she she gets, uh, she, meant, she has like a few lines that she progressively says, right? And I think that's... Um, if anyone's familiar with motifs, life motifs, and themes, I feel like it's it's one of those things. It's either a life motif, I, it should be a life motif because you know it's, it's very similar to it. It represents a meaning within the story, like exactly the message or the mission that the mother's giving to the kid. And like, give me a sec to just hear. Yeah, it's just it's just a very a bunch of adjectives that she wants her son to just do to them. It's like drag him through a whole terrace nails off to the spinters and it's following this like this tune that goes along with it and as progressively as the story goes that tune is effectively like the wound that's inside of him because you know it's just i need you to do this one thing it's just to wreck this guy and what's really great is that at the end of this at the end of the entire eight minute long music video or like song um what's the you know after there's no lyrics in Rob Withers, there's no one singing it, but the thing that's actually playing in the background is that exact same tune that follows what the mother's directions of what to happen in that, then in that moment. And I, 
if you read some of the comments, you can actually see that at the end of the video, people describe that as audio violence. Because even though no one is saying anything, we have a very good idea of what the what the boy is doing to that old man. Yeah, the instrumental, the whole oh, so good. Yeah, exactly. I actually wanted to I, I wanted to speak on that. Um because the musicality of it, I think, was one of the most unique. Most most shanties are done in four four or six eight, right? So four four is like one, two, three, four. Or six eight is one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. So you have two different uh, key signatures for uh, most shanties, or they stay consistently one or the other. It, in the Mariner's Revenge song, you see it go uh, one, two, one, two, three, four, and then it stays that way, right? Then you have the mother's death, which is a big one, and it slows down. And now it's like one, two, three, or like one and two and three and four and, which is like two, four time or something. And then it speeds up to like six, eight. And then by the end, it's like full on six, eight. It's completely different from the rest of the, the theme. It's like full revenge, right? So like you said, it speeds up, it picks up pace. It's like audio death. So the whole point is like by changing the key signature, just the key signature, increasing the pace of the notes so now instead of like uh it just being quarter notes it's like eighth notes and it goes really really quickly it's like one two three four five six one two three four five six so by doing that it increases the it not only does it increase the speed but for us mentally as the audience we're seeing it like the song itself change completely from what we're used to because the entire time in the song it never truly deviates from four four it stays in that realm of like two four or four four time. So it goes like one and two and three and four and or one, two, three, four. So we never really like go really, really quickly until the end where it, that's where it drops. So when the beats when the beat effectively quote unquote drops and the song picks up and it changes key signatures is when we kind of as the audience understand what's happening. I mean, I think that point is like really cool and really interesting to make. Yeah, for sure. Like I definitely, even without no experience in music theory or whatever, I feel that the that the boy is just like wailing on him and just pummeling this this dude to the to the ground as you know the pace increases. And I, I mean, I, if you read the comments, everyone like a good amount of people get that vibe too. And it's great that you were actually able to describe. I actually had a question about um, the key signature stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so four four is pretty intuitive and it seems like very um like simple um and when six eight that seems like a little little off and less intuitive um would you say that this would make it feel chaotic oh 100 percent, right because uh by using eighth notes it's it's going a lot more quicker so you're playing it at a much much different speed and so usually, even in like classical music, it's it's like when you start playing an eighth note, it changes the entire, almost tonality, if that's even a word, uh, of the music, of the song. And so I would definitely agree, especially in shanties, right, where it usually sticks with like one structure or another. It's pretty cool to see how like it's intermingled. So then at the end, when we get that shift into 6-8 time, it just becomes insane. Like you're like, what just happened? So chaos is almost the perfect way to describe it, I think. So you're right on the money there. Oh, that reminds me. So I would imagine shanties would stay 
pretty simple so that they could be comforting. Exactly. Yeah, because like at, at the core of it, right, shanties were uh, songs uh, created from sea workers. So they usually go with like the way, I don't want to say the wave of the sea or whatever, but it was like, it was very like one, like down, up, down, up. So it would go like, you can, you can tell it has a very distinct rhythm and it stays extremely consistently. So like, even though this was a shanty and the fact that it's taking two different key signatures and putting them together, it makes it very unique. Like it's still a shanty, but like it's stretching, it's stretch, it's stretching what it means to be a shanty. You know what I mean? But I think it's kind of cool. So yeah, I mean, just imagine some guy just drops that in the middle of like dinner or something. Yeah, literally. <laughs> it's like what the hell? This is like, going wild. Even 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 see if I was singing the shot on the ship and then I instantly changed to six eight, they'd be like, dude, what's wrong with you? What are you what doing? Is... <laughs> we like, have chill. we have a rhythm. These it's easy to remember. We're le- we're teaching ourselves lessons. Like we don't need what you're doing. <laughs> It's uh it's it's beautiful. Very much like yeah. it. I think um So I just wanted to point out that like I think it's kinda cool that like the key signatures it, it like even down to the key signatures plays a factor in how the story is told. Yeah. I think it's super sick. So it's a very smart, well developed song. I mean like and it's it's heightened by the entire animation, a very grim grim animation that companies that has that whole flapjack vibe to it it just elevates the song's quality and it, it, they they do such a good job with it and actually understanding like the kind of you know the vibe that the song is giving because it's a very it's a grim tale the, the the boy is doubling down in this one revenge plot that his mother completely made his entire life revolve around it's just and like steven mentioned it's a very patriarch patriarchal kind of society or like culture and he completely ruined them and at the end of the day i feel almost that while she might have given up the whole aspect of being a true mother, because you know the on the flip side of, of a patriarchy, you would have a mother who's a very loving character and whatnot. She completely abandons that aspect of you know her identity and says, "You know what? I gave life to you. I know what should be done here. I should make it so that you can move on past this moment of your life that I kind of for my." For my awful decisions of just bringing this man into our life, I ruined us, right? Because I'm now dying from like syphilis or whatever it might be the case. Um, I should just set you free. But instead of that, I'm just gonna. I can, I just can't. I cannot move past the other aspect that he com- he he just ruined. You know, she's still a woman, and in that respect, she it was she was completely done for by this one guy. So she gave up on being a mother, but she, you know, continued being a woman in that aspect. I think that's really cool. I love revenge revenge plots because of that. I think that this is a very quintessential revenge plot, and especially with the music theory behind it and all the key signatures that you know we can, you know, find. And it's also very witty. I think that the um, the company lyrics themselves are very smart. I was just thinking about something right now. Um, he was so young; he would he was... not really understand what was going on. No, all he could understand was what his mom told him. That's true. She she was very manipulative in that aspect. He could, of course, feel the fear that the old man kind of instilled on his mother because yeah. he was abusive. abusive. Which I wouldn't yeah. But definitely, the whole I mean, he was three, and it was like what fifteen years ago. So he's eighteen. He was like, and the other man was eighteen too. Um, so fifteen 18, years. 18. 
Yeah, it's like 30 some 32. Something like that. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, it was three. The guy was in his life. It was 15 years ago or something like that. And then he spent the rest of his life just almost. I mean, like he's a he's a he's a he's a child that no one wants to like raise in this like time where medical where medicine isn't all that progressive. Like what during the 1800s, I would imagine, or whenever pirating was a thing, 1700s probably. Nonetheless, yeah, and like one of the reasons, and I love the fact that whaling, whaling is popular. Yeah. Okay. So another thing that people mention in the song is like the the captain, right? The old man, the or the pirate or whatever that he went to get. He was getting done by two people, right? The whale that swallowed the whaler, and then the kid. <laughs> so yeah. that was like two people who were out for revenge: one, the whale, and two, the boy. And it's also great that the boy acknowledges, and it was it's interesting, right? Because even when his revenge story was going to, like, finish because he was, like, catching up to the guy in his ship, right, with an opposing ship. It was then, in, and it was in that moment that everything goes goes to hell by, because the whale just eats both of their ships and just kills everyone in the crew except him and the one guy he was looking for. Or maybe it's not even that guy. Maybe it's just a random guy that he doesn't know. Because we never get a full confirmation. I think you can, of course, make a case that the person that he did find was the same one that ruined them many years ago, or Nonetheless, what happens to that man gets done. But it was it was great that you know the writers of the story made it so that this boy had one last opportunity to just not go with his revenge song because there was no point to it. They were both gonna die, and he could have just died, quote unquote, a decent man. But that's no fun. That's never any fun. Yeah, I think with the. Uh... With the uh, phrase, so when they're in the whale, uh, don't yeah. know how I survived. The whole crew is chewed alive. Um, must have slipped between his teeth. And then at the, at the end, what divine intelligence? Yes. I think that's him coping. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> it's like, obviously there isn't um, any kind of divine intelligence. It was all luck. He's like, he's admitting this was a very lucky, unlikely situation to have happened. And then he's kind of coping and just being like, okay, so the whale had to have known it's some sort of outside worldly luck that here I can have my revenge in, in this whale. Yeah. That you should, here, I have the lyrics pulled up. It's like, that you should survive as well as me. It gives my heart great joy to see your eyes fill with fear. So lean in close and I will whisper the last word you're here. So those last words he heard is probably the same last words that his mother that he heard from his mother because after that we get the um instrumental that accompanies the mother's um chanting or, or her mission it's great it's great good good to have these lyrics pulled up by the way they're they're really useful <laughs> also did you guys catch the uh the compare well i know we talked about flapjack and the whole like the whole flapjack vibe but did you guys also catch the comparison to moby dick ah i mean uh, oh, I don't know. I never read Moby know Dick. Dick too well. All I know is whales, whaling, yeah. and revenge. No, no, no. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah, I'm pretty much, right? So it's like um, the protagonist is trying to extract revenge on a guy who's a whale hunter, and Moby Dick. It's literally about him just extracting revenge on a whale. So I think it's kind of <laughs> kind of funny. Uh, the whale motif very evident in uh, in Western uh, Western 
shanty-esque songs. I don't even, to be honest, I'm not actually sure if this is a shanty because it doesn't follow the keynotes of a shanty, but it's shanty-esque is, I think, the best way to put it. Yeah, so. I think we can be pretty loose with uh, definition since it's a modern, um, it's a modern recreating an old. Yeah, because the, the old one had restrictions to it, right? They, they needed to have a purpose. And this one yeah. keeps that kind of like, it's, it's a legacy piece, right? Um, no, it's a legacy tribute. You know, so I am. I'm. I'm, I'm willing to. Contemporary. I think that's a pretty uh, accurate pretty description. One. Contemporary. Yeah. For sure. We also cannot. I. I don't want to ignore the fact that the guy was also probably crazy. I mean, he also saw his like ghost mother once, and then she kept talking to him. Yeah. <laughs> There's one thing I must say to you as you sail across the sea. Always, your mother will watch over you as you avenge this wicked deed. She never gave a damn about him. <laughs> he just wishes that she, you know, cares about him. Oh, always your mother will watch over you. That's like the sweetest That's thing. Where he finds it, where he finds his mother's love. Yeah, in her ghostly image. As long as, as long as he continues to be her avatar. I'll be anything you want me to be, mom. <laughs> That's a good one, Steven. If um, that's another cartoon reference. If everyone doesn't know, it's from um, Billy and Mandy. And the when, I think they took Billy to court, and then Mandy brought Jeff the spider over as a witness. <laughs> yeah. And then, how 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 does it go, Steve? Oh yeah, they're asking him, "How would you describe Billy as a caregiver?" Well, he never really remembered my birthday, or paid child support. Really, he just jabs me with a stick. And then, well, I'll jab you good. Why won't you love me, Dad? I'll be anything you want me to be. I want you to be Dad. Oh, it's so good. I love Billy and Mandy. Oh, did, you ever, did you ever watch Billy and Mandy, Nikhil? Of course. Beautiful. It's a good show. I watched it so long ago. Oh, my God, when I was a child. So I was thinking of the themes, right? Um, something motif that uh, Francisco mentioned just right now, or a little bit ago. So uh, themes, pretty much like um, if we think of anime in Death Note, every character kind of has their own theme going on. Yes. So yes. when their theme starts playing in the, the episode, you're like, oh, this is their moment or this is where they're going to shine. Um, he was behind it or something like that. Uh, the light, <laughs> the light theme and the uh, the L theme. Oh, my God. Iconic. Like speaking to that, I think I think anime does it fairly well too, right? It, I think in like in very specific anime, I think they do it considerably well, and um, specifically music anime. So it's no surprising that with an anime, there's like a whole genre literally dedicated to like the idea of music, and like music in as like a kind of storytelling as a part of the storytelling medium that drives a narrative. A really, really, really good example of this is actually. Uh, uh, Hibike, uh, Symphonium, uh, if, if you guys have watched it, it's, I mean, it's a show that literally just is about music and like playing in a band and some other stuff, but that's a whole different conversation. And so like that, I think Symphonium is a really, really good example because each character has their own theme with their own instrument, which I think is kind of cool. And like how they play that instrument and how they use that instrument. So not just play and use, but also like 
the background music is really, 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 really important uh, for the entire duration of the show. Um, and so I think like that's that's a good example. And Death Note, I think, is a really, really good example and very popular, right? Because everyone knows, I think everyone knows Death Note at this point. And everyone knows like Light's theme, Light's theme and Elves theme. It's, it's like all over the place. So it's not surprising. Uh, I think another really good one actually is uh, the Beastars opening and ending. If anyone is familiar with Beastars, we did an episode on it. I should watch it. Oh. But the season two Beastars OP and ED are literally very similar to the Mariner's Revenge song and the fact that the opening is literally a story, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, the opening is a story about Lugosi trying to overcome the beast within him, right? About him not wanting to kill Haru. The ending is about like being friends or having a relationship with someone who's a herbivore as a carnivore. And it's, it's so unique and Yasabi kills it. So I think those are two really, really, really good examples of similar kind of like storytelling elements in in anime. Uh, and by the way, for those of you who want to watch these, we'll be linking all of these in our Twitter. Uh, so if if you're interested, check us out on Twitter, and then you can like watch the videos accordingly or talk see the videos that we're talking about specifically. Yeah. And uh, if anyone's interested in learning more about just music theory in general, there's a really good channel called Sideways on YouTube. Uh, and specifically, I actually ended up sharing a video that Sideways posted back in 2016, uh, theme versus leitmotif. And he, you know, the person in charge of the actual channel has an actual degree in this, in this kind of deal. So they know what they're talking about. Unlike, you know, me, who's not entirely familiar with this, because there is a distinction between theme and leitmotif, right? A theme, you know, or the subject is the complete musical idea, and and the motif itself. That one's more about like it cannot represent something, but you know, a light motif is a fragment of it, and you know, it usually represents or it must represent something in within the narrative. I try to remember a light motif as being a noun, while a theme is you know the overarching story itself. Um, not very, not the most very um academic uh, definition of them, but it, it it's worked for me, and, and usually. Oh right, right. I always forget that in uh, in literature class, they talk motifs and they talk themes. Yeah, no, don't worry about it. They're lame anyway. As long as we get cool vibes from them, it's fine. And by them, I mean stories. It's all that matters. Yeah, Steve, do you have anything else to say about music as a medium? I know. I mean, the reason I brought you along is because you're like one of the people that I know that listens to a lot of music, and we have a lot of music taste that we share in common and then the other side Nikhil is also someone who <laughs> that I know that listens to a ton of music as he already mentioned so I felt that you know bringing you two would be interesting in this case in particular you know talking about just music as a medium I think audio stimulation in general is something we're all very sensitive to um, like for example our reaction speed to audio cues is uh, like what is it like point it's like 150 milliseconds, and uh, our reaction speed to visual cues are about 250 milliseconds. Uh, we can distinguish uh, language from each other from speech uh, pretty well, and it's like very complicated, like you know the nuance of the tone inflection and all that. 
So music as a medium is going to be super like powerful in delivering messages, but also messages at a subconscious level. So when we use it in storytelling, um, movies, video games, and all that, it like it means so much uh, intuitively. And even if we don't all have like degrees or have studied music past like maybe music theory uh, one or one hundred, um, it's definitely something that we can all speak from experience and then understand from experience and talk about just because like we're constantly stimulated by the whole time and we're sensitive to it. I think drawing from personal experience too. Uh, the a few weeks ago, I went to my first rave. Not really a rave person, to be honest. I went because I was like, you know what? My cousin bought the tickets. Why not go, right? So I went. Uh, it was for an uh, an artist by the name of Elenium. I'm sure most people have heard of him. If you've heard, like, Takeaway, yeah, sure, you've heard of it to some degree. And so I went, and it was really interesting because there's no, like, like, it was just, like, straight electronic music. like. But it was very... There was a story. So what he did was it was, like, a visual story on these huge screens. And then it was just really hype music playing behind that, right? Hype being... It wasn't really hype hype. It was just a different kind of hype. And so, like... You could craft your own story based on the visuals... But what really drove the narrative of that story that you were watching was the music that you were hearing behind it. And it made me realize that, like, music as a source, like, I listen to, I think, every single thing across the board, everything from rap to K-pop. So you name it, I listen to it. I just, I've always kind of thought of music, I think, in a sense of most of the time an artist is is conveying a certain feeling or telling a story through their lyrics, right? Which, I mean, in the most part, most part is true. Like, rap literally stands for rhyme and poetry. It, it, it is a medium that is supposed to tell a story through lyrics or lyricism. But I think when I went to the Selenium concert and this rave, it was the first time I was like, huh, like, this, this like, muti- like music, like, not, not, like, not, like, with lyrics, like, music can tell a story in of itself without having to actually say anything. That's pretty cool. So it's like nuts to kind of think about. It is pretty nutty. I think um, in most cases when it comes to directors and then composers within the industry, right, and especially within Hollywood, they don't communicate with each other very well or at all. And that's a very... Oh, it's not. It's not very good when... Well, for a movie, when the music composer and director are not on the same page, or rather, it's a missed opportunity since, as you know, as Steven mentioned, we are very in tune with audio cues, and having both of these very impactful positions in a movie working together elevates the quality of the piece. Um, I'm sure both of you would agree with this, but you know, you know, I, I, I can I can actually give an example. Um, I once heard that the original music composer for the uh, 2001's A Space Odyssey. The director fell in love with the sample piece that he shared with the music composer, so the person in charge of, you know, developing the score for the actual movie, you know, as the reference piece, right? Because this is usually how it happens, or as far as I'm aware, how it happens in Hollywood. A composer or, like, the director finds a sample that they're thinking about in a scene, and, you know, this is, like, a minimum level of communication that they might have, right? So they find a sample, they share this reference with the music composer, and, there's, and they tell them that, hey... 
this is kind of what I'm picturing when I'm when I'm thinking of the scene. Can you make something that sounds like this, right? So you know that's all good enough. And you know what the the movie 2001 Space Odyssey. See, I haven't seen it, but of course it's a very successful movie. But it's so ridiculous that such a thing happened. And the music composer only learned only learned that their music on the film wasn't used when they went to see the film on um, release day, which is devastating. Uh, I actually heard the story from a YouTube content creator, the um, sideways individual that I mentioned a while back. They also made the theme versus like Motifiru. So once again, I guess it's another shout out. But if you like that kind of stuff, that kind of um, video essays, but in particular, you know, focusing on music itself or music composition and storytelling, it's a good place to watch it. 100%. I don't uh, even know if they got paid. We <laughs> no payment. I just I hope they did. I don't know, yeah. right? I didn't look into the story too much because it was depressing. Because the contract work, you do it, and whether or not they use it. That's true. I would imagine that, but nonetheless, right? Um, this lack of communication between composer and director isn't good and i think it's a lot i feel i i this is just a random opinion of mine but because of how influential or how important music is when it comes to the fans for anime i would imagine that composer and director have a closer connection with one another when it comes to actually you know telling the story but i don't know maybe i'm just talking out of mass nonetheless it was it's just fun sharing this one story on the odyssey 2001 i definitely think you're right because like a really good example of some like on the opposite end of the spectrum where it works really, really well is uh, Miyazaki films. I don't even think we need to go as far as like Death Note and stuff, right? Like Studio Ghibli movies personify how good music motifs can be in different in in storytelling mediums. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is Kiki's Delivery Service and Spirited Away. They use that motif to the T. They know exactly how to make music make you feel things. Even if it's, like, not, like, super sentimental, like, you feel it. You know what I mean? Like, for example, when Haru's... Not Haru. Uh, what's her name? Um, <laughs> or you mean uh, um, Spirit Away person? Yeah, the girl. The little girl. What's her name? Oh, dude. I, I haven't seen Spirit Away in years. I should know this. I watched it, like, three times this year. Uh... <laughs> It is my favorite Studio Ghibli movie ever. Steve, have you seen any um, Studio Ghibli movies? Uh, Chihiro! Oh my god, how did I forget that? Anyway. I love Ponyo. I love Ponyo. Trust, we, we'll have an extensive discussion about Ponyo. Uh, so when Chihiro, when Chihiro's parents get turned into pigs, the music is very staccato, right? It's very like, dun, 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 dun. And then you like, you feel it. And you're like, whoa. Like something serious going on. You know what I mean? So... If the director and the composer are on the same page, the 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 overall narrative and the product will be that much better. Another example, another great example, actually, is Star Wars. But um, that's actually an interesting example. Um, the composer wasn't familiar. It's just it's not that it's a great example of Star Wars. It's more so of a great example of the composer himself. I mean, they, George Lucas is also like low key a genius, but yeah. Yeah, he. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna undermine George Lucas, but we can't forget that George Lucas didn't have any confidence within Star Wars when it first came out. And this was one because he was a new director at the time, right? He didn't think it was going to do as well as it did, but he wasn't planning six movies or even a trilogy. 
So when he went to the composer, Steven, Steven Spielberg. I'm sorry, not George Lucas. Steven Spielberg is a genius. Oh. Oh. George Lucas is I. Oh, I but like Steven those. Steven okay. Spielberg literally nuts. Okay, yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, I did, but that, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a genius. Uh, but right, he needed to work with the fact that okay, now George Lucas is George Lucas, and you know his company is coming to me saying we need we need more music, and you know the way that. The way that the composer was able to get around that it was that he understood music theory very well. That he just understood that if he just turns a music sheet backwards or like, you know, like just reverse, that's an entire new music score right there and there in front of you, and it's still thematically very similar to the original that he had. And he can just write or you know work around the incompetencies of the rest of the team. Yo, let me list off a few Spielberg movies real quick, and let's just. Uh, admire how iconic the score is. E.T., Jaws, Jurassic Park, Indiana Jones. Uh, yeah, I'd say those are super iconic in uh, musical scores. Without a doubt. I actually haven't seen E.T., by the way. Good. Oh, it's so hype. <laughs> it's good. Flying in the air. It's a good movie. I, I I enjoyed it. It looked Jurassic weird. Jurassic Park. Oh, that one lives rent free in my head. Jurassic Park. <laughs> it lives, yeah. lives rent free in my head because I keep thinking of Nyerners and Iron Mouse VTubers. Do you have anything else to say, Steve? Um, uh, not really. Not that I can think of at the moment. Okay. okay. We did go off topic, but I mean, the intent of this entire episode was to talk about music within, you know, different mediums. And of course, we got away from Mariner's Revenge song. If anyone is, you know, pro- you probably haven't heard about it. It has a ton of views, but I would imagine a good amount of those are rewatches from people like me and Steve. But nonetheless, it's a good song, good video. Uh, definitely get around to watching it. And, you know, think more of the think more of the music you're listening to every now and then. Or maybe not. Or maybe you just want to, you know. Be in the moment, which I don't fault you for just being in the moment. The video uh, that we were talking about this episode will also be posted on Twitter, on our Twitter. So make sure to follow us on Anime House for more information. And we'll also repost or have a link to the video on YouTube when we put up, when we put this video up on YouTube. That way, uh, you'll have a link to the video directly so you can reference it. And yeah, I mean, we'll have ways for you guys to get there. So don't worry about that. But please, yeah, definitely watch this if you get the chance and then uh, listen to our episode. And curious to see what you think. I mean, it's only eight minutes. It doesn't take very long. You can listen to it right before you go to sleep. It's perfect. Yeah, it's great. And of course, the comment sections are really, really informative. It's just they're they're great to just read, you know, after you watch the video. Uh, but yeah, nonetheless, uh, thank you, Stephen, for coming along and giving your insight. Because I always like hearing your voice and everything oh, you have to say. Pleasure, it's a pleasure. I'm glad you guys uh, asked me to come. It was good. I mean, I'm, uh, I I know that you just got out of work, so I'm not. <laughs> it might have been a lot to ask from you, but I, I was I, tired, but I was still excited to talk about this. So it was worth it. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. All right, Thank everyone. Thank you for making it. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. Mm. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye. All right. I guess that's it. Bye, guys.